You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Wednesday show for you. We're going to talk just a little bit more about the college football playoff. A former NFLer has a great idea. It'll never happen, but it's a great idea. Great hypothetical that we can discuss. We're going to talk a little bit about baseball. The Shohei Otani sweepstakes are heating up. So many rumors. One day he's going to one team. One day he's going to another team. We have no idea when he's going to sign. The Dodgers had a meeting with him for two or three hours that Dave Roberts let out of the bag that the GM wasn't happy about. So we're going to talk a little bit baseball free agency and then the NBA in-season tournament. Your semifinals are set, and I'm really looking forward to this. We'll talk about that momentarily. Let's first start off talking about the college football playoff, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but the more people that talk about this and the more people that say, I can't believe this, I can't believe that, Mike Greenberg on uh, Get Up yesterday on ESPN said college football has become figure skating. And he's like, how can you leave a team? The second you start out a sentence when talking about the college football playoff, the second you start out a sentence with saying, how can you? Why aren't these people? These are people that literally talk sports for a living. I have a 20 to 25 minute show Monday through Friday here on this podcast And yet, I feel like I've broken this down so much easier and understand it so much better than these talking heads on television. Because the first thing you need to say when going over the college football playoff, the first thing you need to admit is that this is a ridiculous way to determine who makes your playoffs. Because the second you say that, anything that follows brings you back to the first point, which is... This is a ridiculous way to settle your playoffs. It is. We all know this because no other major sport, NBA, college basketball, Major League Baseball, NFL, NHL, not one of those sports says at the end of the season, all right, let's get a committee together and we'll determine who goes to the playoffs this year. has nothing to do with your record. And if two teams are tied for the last spot, Uh, We're not going to go into uh, any sort of tiebreaker. We don't have any sort of tiebreaker system. We're just going to have a committee decide and and a committee decide subjectively who they think should make the playoffs. Okay, that's why I can't get too worked up over Florida State getting snubbed. And I can't get too worked up if Alabama would have gotten snubbed or if Texas would have gotten snubbed because we already know this is a ridiculous system. It's terrible. It never should have been in place in the first place. However, for 10 years, they've basically been able to skate because they haven't had such a deep field to choose from. But it just so happened in the final year of the college football playoff, four-team playoff, that is, they got absolutely murdered because they had eight teams that finished with zero or one loss. It had never happened before. So, yeah, you have to admit that. And I just see these guys on television talking about it over and over and over again. It's just like, but if you know the system sucks to begin with, complaining about it after the fact that somebody got screwed seems to be a little bit counterproductive. Just saying. I don't think Florida State should be in based on what we had to go off of. 
I think the committee made the right thing. You know how I feel about it. It's just kind of funny <laughs> seeing all these talking heads acting like I, there was another choice. <laughs> it didn't make sense because the teams that did make it in were all deserving. How come everybody isn't starting off their argument with there were five conference champions and only four spots? Guys, we can't sit here for an hour and debate who should have gotten in versus who else. It doesn't matter now. They made their decision. They're not changing it because you want to present a brilliant argument why Florida State should have gotten in. Great. Congratulations. I understand this is the hot take business, and you have to – go against the grain and say things that are provocative and get people talking. I think it was pretty straightforward. There were five teams fighting for four spots, and one of those teams, even though they had a strength of schedule that was 50 spots behind Texas and Alabama, they also had the biggest factor in all of it in that their best player was out for the season. It seems like a really easy answer now when you look back to Sunday. Like, of course they're going to leave Florida State out. They don't have their quarterback. But maybe it's not that easy for some people. Probably people in Tallahassee and Florida State alums. I get it. You know, you're still upset. But you know what? If you're that upset, go out and beat Georgia by four touchdowns. Go out and win that game. Prove to America that you should have been considered. Now, here's the thing, because we get this all the time in the NCAA tournament. Some teams that make it in in the field really late and then they get blown out in the first round. They're like, see, they should have never gotten in. You can't look at it that way. If Georgia blows out Florida State, even I, a guy who has said, I don't think Florida State should have gotten in, I'm fine with Texas and Alabama getting in. Even if Florida State gets blown out by Georgia, I'm not going to say, see, because one has nothing to do with the other. And even if Florida State beats Georgia, which, you know, I guess it could happen. We have no idea who's going to sit out for Georgia. But if it were to happen, of course, everybody in Tallahassee is going to be screaming, see, we should have been in. No, 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 no. You can't say that after the fact. We already know you thought you should have been in. Beating Georgia or playing Georgia close, it doesn't matter. You can't use it after the fact. And here we are. We got two good games. It's the first time in 10 years both semifinal games had a spread under seven, if I'm not mistaken. So this is going to be really, really interesting to see how these games play out. History tells us they're going to be blowouts, or at least one of the two games in the semifinals is going to be blowouts, a blowout. And history tells us the championship game is going to be a blowout. Seven of the 10 have been decided by 15 points or more. I mean, that's a lot for the, the best game of the year, supposedly. J.J. Watt on Twitter presented a hypothetical that I thought was pretty interesting. He said, emergency six-team playoff. Michigan and Washington get a bye. Random draw to determine matchups between Texas, Alabama, Georgia, Florida State. Who says no? Well, yeah, basically you're saying, hey, can we get this six-team, can we get a six-team playoff this year is what you're saying. Now, this is a hypothetical. It can never happen, so it's almost kind of pointless to talk about but the way all these people talk and the way these teams and coaches talk after the fact we'll play anybody anywhere anytime you know Mike Norvell head coach of Florida State 
would say, I'll line my guys up against anybody. So, of course, he would take it. And obviously, Georgia would take it because they would want to be in some sort of playoff. I mean, I think that's the funniest thing about all of this is the NCAA, the college football committee said, you know what, Florida State, we don't think you're as good as Alabama, and we're putting Alabama in over you. But we're going to slot you between Alabama and Georgia when for all of the football season, and especially the last six weeks when they played way better, everyone in America was saying Georgia is the best football team in college football. They lose a three-point game on Saturday to the most storied franchise in all of college football, <laughs> won the most national championships, and all of a sudden they're the sixth best team in the nation? Like, Florida State, as much as you're crying about falling to five and not making the playoff, I'm sorry, but outside of a conference championship win, Georgia has just as good a resume as you do, and... Their resume might go back a couple years, which technically you're not supposed to do when judging the 2023 college football playoff teams, the four that they want to make it. You're not supposed to take into consideration what they've done in any previous year. You're judging on this year. But I think anybody and their mother that watched Saturday afternoon's SEC championship game and then sat there and watched Florida State struggle versus a Louisville team that got boat raced by Kentucky the week before. If you sat there and watched the Saturday night game and watched a third-string quarterback, who I understand was not going to be the quarterback in the bowl game, it looks like Tate Rotomaker will be fine, and he's going to be the quarterback in the bowl game. But if you're watching Florida State on Saturday night struggle and just a giant punt fest with Louisville, and you watch Georgia earlier in the day, again, be objective, Seminole fans. I think you know who the better team is between not only Texas, Alabama, and Florida State, you can throw Georgia in there. Georgia is a better team than Florida State as constructed right now. Everything I've said about Florida has to do with how they're constructed right now, which is they're missing their best player. You cannot tell me that doesn't make a giant difference in how Florida State performs on the field. Let's switch over to baseball now, where Shohei Otani has not decided where he's signing in baseball. We all know the teams that are out there, the names that are being thrown around. The newest one into the sweepstakes, allegedly, is the Toronto Blue Jays. There's rumors going around that Toronto's the favorite now, but... When it gets to the winter meetings for baseball and when you get into free agency talk, there's a lot of things that are thrown out there by agents that are trying to move the needle and trying to basically play games with the media and throw a narrative out there. So I wouldn't necessarily run with this notion that the Toronto Blue Jays are all of a sudden going to throw $500 million at Shohei Otani when they've never shown in the history of their franchise, that they would do something like that. Not saying that Toronto couldn't land Otani, but we know what his asking price is. Even though he hasn't come out and said it, his agent hasn't come out and said it, people that follow baseball on a daily basis are well aware. If Mike Trout got 425, 425 million, what, three or four years ago, Shohei Otani is minimum 500 million starting point. I think he's going to end up getting 550 or 600 million. 
because he brings something to the table that no other player in the history of baseball does. Now, in 2024, he's not going to be able to pitch because he's dealing with his arm injury. But after 2024, you've got one of the you've got a number one starter and a guy that is going to hit you in his sleep 40 home runs and hit around 300 and drive in easily 100 to 120 every year, batting in the two or the three hole. Not to mention what he brings fan-wise to your game. You're going to get Japanese companies advertising just like they did when he was on Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. He brings in that money. You're going to get Japanese TV money because they're going to want to broadcast the games. It is just... He is such... Just forget the baseball part of it. The money that this guy is going to bring in in terms of gate revenue, television revenue, merchandise revenue, I would say you're probably going to get your money back, you know, if you sign him for 550 or 600 million, you probably get that within the first 2 years of what he's going to bring because the deals you're going to get to your team. That's why he's so important. I've never cared how much a NBA player, Major League Baseball player, football player makes. I do not care. It doesn't affect my life in any way, shape, or form. So, yes, is it utterly ridiculous that some it does it sound let me say that let me rephrase that. Does it sound utterly ridiculous that a one player, one athlete is going to be making over a half a billion dollars to play a sport? Yeah. Sounds crazy. But to me, it's just in one ear, out the other. I remember growing up in the eighties. And and my favorite team growing up was the L.A. Dodgers. And my favorite team probably in all of sports history was the 1988 team that won the World Series. I was 13 years old. I was right in that wheelhouse of listening to games before I went to bed every night. The radio next to my pillow, Vince Scully calling the games. Like, that was me. I never wanted to be a baseball player. I never wanted to be a broadcaster in terms of play-by-play, but Vince Scully, arguably the best play-by-play guy in any sport in the history of sports. And the 88 Dodgers, anybody that knows that team just knows that this was made up of a band of misfits. And you look at that team, and they literally had probably the worst lineup to ever win a World Series ever. But they were my favorite team. And Oral Hershiser was always my favorite player growing up. I just loved that guy. I would literally record his games on VHS tapes and rewatch them. Baseball games. I would rewatch. I would just fast forward when the Dodgers were up and I would just rewatch him pitching. I didn't even want to be a baseball player. I didn't want to be a pitcher. I just loved watching him play. I don't know why, I just did. Anyway, in 1989, after that 88 World Series victory, and Oral Hershiser, I believe it was he gave up five earned runs in his last 101 and two-thirds innings. I mean, it was just it was the greatest run ever. He still holds the record to this day for most consecutive scoreless innings at 59 and two-thirds. After that season, the Dodgers signed him to a three-year, $7.9 million contract. And back in 1989, people were, like, losing their mind. They're like, oh, my gosh. He gets a $1 million signing bonus, and he's going to make, looking at it now on the Internet, he made $2.4 million in 1989, $1.6 million in 1990, and $2.8 million in 1991. And when that contract was signed, you would have thought, oh my gosh, the end of sports as we know it. 
some guy is making almost $3 million a year. <laughs> and Shohei Otani, uh, what, 30 years later, 34, 35 years later, is literally going to be making 50 to $55 million a season. <laughs> it's just crazy to think. Because I grew up during this. I grew up, I mean, when I was four years old, the first million-dollar-a-year player was Nolan Ryan. In 1979, he signed a contract that paid him a million dollars a year, and people were like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, and then Oral, 10 years later, signs a three-year, $7.9 million contract. Right now in baseball, if you sign a three-year, $7.9 million contract, you're probably an average middle reliever. This was the best pitcher in baseball coming off one of the greatest seasons ever pitched in baseball history. <laughs> he was making three years at $7.9 million. It was craziness. So where is Otani going to sign? Hell if I know. I honestly don't know where he's going because his team's keeping everything close to the vest. He hasn't done any interviews. I would think it's going to be a major market. I mean, look, there's only a certain amount of teams that can sign him. It's got to be, you know, the Dodgers, the Padres, the Cubs, Yankees, Red Sox. Now, a few of these teams aren't even in the running. They're just not going to fork over that money. But he's not going to a market that, you know, you obviously know he's not going to the Kansas City Royals. He's not going to the Oakland A's. He's not going to the Tampa Bay Rays. Like, you can immediately eliminate about, I don't know, 22 of the 30 Major League Baseball teams that he's not going to. But we just haven't heard anything one way or the other. You hear these rumors that he wants to stay on the West Coast. He definitely isn't interested in playing in Yankee Stadium and stuff like that. But you just you don't know. There's so much floating around. We don't know for sure. But I think we're going to find out. I think he signs within the next week or two. I don't think this is going to be dragged out through, the, through past January 1st. I really don't. And finally, the NBA in-season tournament. Your semifinals are set for Thursday night, T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Eastern Conference matchup is the Bucks against the Pacers. Right now, the Bucks would be the two seed in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Indiana is the six seed. In the West, you've got the New Orleans Pelicans taking on LeBron James and the Lakers. So, I mean, that's a pretty good setup for the first ever semifinal matchup because you can hype up the big names. I mean, look, we all know Giannis is the big name. They you got Giannis playing in the semifinals. Tyrese Halliburton is probably the most underrated player in all of the NBA that nobody's the best player in the NBA that nobody's ever heard of and he's the point guard for the Indiana Pacers. I mean, look at his stats this season. The guy's sick. So, he's going to get his real shot at the national stage on Thursday night. I hope he really does well because if you ever know, you haven't seen this guy play, he's awesome. <laughs> he is awesome. And then for the Pelicans, Lakers, I mean, you got Zion versus they're gonna bill it as Zion versus LeBron. I mean, how can you how can you change that? And how can you really they gotta love this. Now, granted, you know, New Orleans right now is I believe the um is the four seed and the Lakers are the eight seed in the West. So but the Lakers are eleven and eight. They're doing well. And, you know, New Orleans is playing better than I think a lot of people thought they would. But it's added intrigue. It's still just regular games. I mean, outside of the court being different, was the intensity ramped up? I mean, all these games, Milwaukee blew out the Knicks last night. It wasn't even close. They beat them by 
25 or 30. But the Laker game was a three-point game. The Pelicans went on the road. They fell behind by 15 at Sacramento, and they ended up winning that game by 10. And then what was the other one? Uh, Indiana, I believe, won by 10 or so on Monday night. Last, uh, Yeah, on Monday night. So you got some good semifinal matchups, and I just think the spectacle of it being in Vegas and it being the first ever, yeah, these teams are going to try and win. They're not going to take it as like, yeah, it's a regular season game. If we win, we win. The money I don't think is a big deal, but I think we should just watch it play out. And I think when you watch these two semifinal games on Thursday and then the championship game on Saturday night, I think you will see that these guys will care. I think you will see that it's going to have very much a playoff intensity to them. Now, I still think they need to change what the actual goal of this is and what the winning team actually gets because money is not an incentive. But... I think it's going to be really cool to see. I mean, just the fact that they're putting it in Vegas every year, I think is really cool because, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing these guys that we played in the quarterfinals on Monday and Tuesday were just like, hey, guys, get a nice little trip to Vegas if we win. Let's go. Let's win this. So, um, you know, winning the title and calling yourselves the in-season champion, I don't think that's going to be like a major calling card, meaning that whoever wins this thing, whether it's the Bucks or the Pacers or the Lakers or the Pelicans, I don't think they're going to reference it too many times the rest of the year. Like, hey, we're the in-season champions. Because if you end up getting the seven or eight seed as the in-season champions, like, who cares? Nobody, Nobody's going to really be afraid of you because you won the in-season championship. Let's see what you do when the real playoffs start. I don't think the winner of this is maybe they put up a banner at some point at the end of the season to declare the first ever in-season champions. I don't know. Seems like it's equivalent of putting up a wild card banner if you win a wild card series in baseball, but what do I know? I just think that they need to give it more of an oomph to it. I just don't know what that is. But I do think these games on Thursday will be exciting. At least, I mean, I can't predict the scores and if they're going to be close, but I really think these teams are going to care. And I don't think this, it just makes the regular season have a couple more interesting games. Because as we've talked about, the whole reason the NBA was doing this and is going to carve out the month of November every year going forward is just to add a little more intrigue to regular season games that you were already going to watch anyway or not watch. Because these games meant something to get them to a different level, which is the semifinals in Las Vegas and then possibly the finals two nights later. Because most people don't care about the NBA until Christmas Day. Because all a lot of the bowl games are already done by then. And on Christmas Day, you know, you have that quadruple header usually. Always good matchups. But that's when people tune in really for the first time in the NBA. It's like you realize the, the NBA season's been going on for two months. And now you're finally tuning in and getting on. It just added a little intrigue. You know. I didn't. I mean, I watched some of these games, but it wasn't like, yeah, I need to tune into the in-season game. I don't think it's going to be anything huge, like I said, where they're hanging banners or anything like that, or whoever wins is going to constantly refer to it the rest of the season. It's not going to scare anybody that you're the in-season champions. It's just adding eyeballs to games that probably wouldn't have mattered to most people anyway. So thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also rate and review. Pass it along to your friends. Let them know about it. Only a couple more shows uh, the rest of this week. Thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be 
the greatest reality show on television.